welcome to the Union Hack, a podcast by Dave Ingay. All views of my own or those of my guests and don't necessarily represent the views of the organisations we're affiliated to. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Union Hack with me, Dave Ingay. Now, I haven't got a guest today. I thought, should I bring a guest in? Should I line someone up? And there will be plenty of guests to talk to in the future. There's plenty of people we can talk to about the union. But I want to talk about something very current, something that is very much of this moment. It's the 26th of May, and I want to talk about schools reopening. I want to talk about the NEU five tests. I want to talk about the NEU response. Now, as always, these are just my views. They're very public. I've said them on the radio. I've said them on social media. I'm not here to have a dig at anyone. So let's start off. Let's just talk about the NEU five tests and what actually they mean. So the first test we've got, test number one, a much lower number of COVID-19 cases. Now, we don't quite know what that number is. That number at the moment is falling, more tests are being done, so we're getting a better picture. We'll talk about testing when we get to point three, there's a lot to talk about with testing. But we want to make sure that it's continually going down. We need to know where the cases are, and we need to know that there are plans in place for testing and contact tracing, and it has to be sustained. Have we met that test right now? Well, I didn't see the briefing today. Generally, I stopped watching it. I found it a bit formulaic and a bit false, to be honest. I look at the statistics. The cases are going down, especially the number of deaths. Thankfully, the number of deaths are going down, perhaps because those who are most vulnerable are actually shielding and not going out. And those people who are showing symptoms are staying at home. Perhaps that's why I'm not a virologist. I don't know these things. This is just my guest. But we still don't have contact tracing. So if I get a test tomorrow, if I start showing symptoms, if I get a test tomorrow, there's no way of me informing people I've been in contact with. Such a thing doesn't exist. We've been told, 1st of June, the government has a way of making these things happen or making these things appear to happen. So we'll have to watch that space. So I wouldn't say test number one has been met yet. So with test number two, a national plan for social distancing. Now, what we've asked for in this one is there has to be a national plan with parameters for both appropriate physical distancing and levels of social mixing in schools as well as appropriate PPE. Now, it's very difficult to negotiate on a national level the right levels of PPE. Some schools will have PPE, some schools won't have PPE, some schools deem it necessary, others won't. Now, we need to think about this on a school-by-school -school level because each individual school matters. It really matters on the specific situation in your school. I know my school have been very supportive. My school 
has got PPE and safety is very, very important. And I would hope that if you requested PPE in a school, then it is supplied because it can be sought. These things can be done, be it for staff or children. We look at other schools, um, other schools, other countries, schools in other countries. Look at schools in China. Some of the children there are wearing face masks. Some children wearing visors. Is that what we want for our children? Maybe that's what's needed. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. But maybe these are things that need to be solved before we can really move forward and get all children back into schools. How do the children mix? How do they not pass the virus onto each other? Mary Brewstead was quoted in the Daily Mail the other day saying that reception children get dirty and they work their snot on your sleeve or your dress or your trousers. Now the Daily Mail use that as an attack line. I've worked with five-year-olds. Now I have to say that does happen. Children who are five do get dirty. That's how they learn and actually it's very good for the abuse system to get dirty. Um, children will cough and sneeze everywhere. They often do have runny noses and they not really really know how to wipe their nose yet. They're still learning those skills. That is the very essence of the foundation stage. That's not a problem. I'm not saying that children are dirty. I'm just saying that children do get dirty in the earliest foundation stage. So we really need to have the conversation about what is appropriate PPE in schools for children and for staff. Test number three. We've got testing, testing, testing. Now, this is comprehensive and regular testing for children and staff to ensure schools and colleges don't become hotspots for COVID. This is crucial. It's not just a case of being tested once you have the symptoms. We want to know, have you got the virus before you go into school? Unfortunately, the tests currently take several days to come back. However, I understand a new test is being developed that can give you results much quicker. A saliva-based test, hopefully that comes to fruition. They are saying now that children can be tested, children above five. However, the DfE have said children below five can be tested. The NHS have said children under five can't be tested. So what we have at the moment is different government departments not really talking to each other. I know many nursery staff are very worried because social distancing with children in nurseries doesn't happen, nor should it, because children need to play with each other, need to interact, they need to develop those social skills. That is the very essence of the foundation stage, learning through play. That is what early childhood development is all about. So we need to know how does that fit in with the whole COVID thing? How does social distancing work when the children are going to interact with each other all the time? Perhaps you know, talk about small bubbles, four or five children. Well, there's still four or five children mixing. There's still four or five families come from very different environments. Parents could work in environments become a hotspot for COVID. Parents work in a hotspot for COVID and then that child brings it in. 
we still aren't sure. The detail is still lacking. However, the good thing is there is a lot more testing happening at the moment. So test number four was a whole school strategy. Now, we're not really quite there yet on this one because this is about what happens in a whole school or a college when a case occurs. Do I say the whole school or just isolate the class? And what we've got at the moment is we're just isolating the bubble. Bubbles are the new norm. Apparently it's going to be a bubble of no more than 15 children with one adult and spread across the whole school. So reception year one and year six, bubbles of 15 children with one adult. Now in some schools, there's not the classrooms because yes, you haven't got years two, three, four and five in, but then we've got uh, infant schools. We only have reception year one and year two. So you've got two thirds to school. And so trying to spread the children out across the whole school really isn't going to work. Now, if it's just to isolate the bubble, that uh, group of 15, then who do we isolate? Do we just isolate the close down that class? Do we then to tell their families to socially isolate? And it goes back to contact tracing, because if you've got a child in this bubble and a case occurs, be it a teacher, or could the, the TA lead in the class, or it could be a member of their family. Who do we then isolate? How far back do we go? So little John in my bubble gets COVID. Now we then isolate the whole bubble. The whole the whole bubble has to then go isolate, get tested. Do then tell each children's parents to get tested, each of their co-workers, their co-workers' families. How far back do we go? And this goes back to the contact tracing we said earlier. The detail really isn't there. And really, we need these details because details matter. We don't want a second spike. We don't want a second wave of this virus. We really don't. So test five, protection for the vulnerable. So it's vulnerable staff and staff who live with vulnerable people. What do we do? What do we do? If you've got diabetes, if you've got you're immunodeficient, perhaps you've got a family member who's immunodeficient or is on the clinically vulnerable list or the extremely clinically vulnerable list, I think it is, the terms, what happens to them? How are they filling their professional duties if they work from home? We know that teachers can work from home and it's important to note that schools never closed throughout the whole pandemic we've been working we've been open to children and key worker families and children from vulnerable households children who really need their education but we need to know what do those staff do because we don't want to put them at risk the last thing we want is more people dying from this virus we're out with these five tests i think we're making progress but the detail still really isn't there. I'm very fortunate in my school. We have small bubbles. We have some very good plans in place, I believe. And we've got adequate PPE. Now, on to the union's response. I've seen it written in several different social media groups. The unions have let us down. The unions have not done enough. The unions have to lead. Now, the whole point 
of this podcast is that you are the union. It's making people think again about what a union is. The union is not the general secretary, and this goes for any union. It's not the general secretary. It's not the member of the national executive. It's not your branch secretary. Is that what you call them in your union? We call them branches and districts. It's not those people. You are the union. You and your colleagues are the union. So has the union done enough? I am so proud of my union. I am so proud to be a member of the National Education Union. We have led the trade union movement, particularly in education, throughout this pandemic. Right at the start, when they started locking down schools and closing down schools, we said that schools should remain open for children of key workers and children from vulnerable households. Because we wanted to do our bit. We wanted to be there for those families. We didn't want to stand in the way of people going to work when they really needed to throughout the pandemic. So many parents have played such an important role, be it working in a care home, working in a supermarket, working in the corner shop, emptying your bins, cleaning your streets, any of those roles. There are so many. The list of key workers was huge. And we said we want to be there for those families. We want to provide that childcare. The idea didn't come from the government. The idea came from us. We led that way. When the idea about reopening schools came about, we said, OK, we understand that you need to reopen schools at some point. However, it's got to be safe. These are our five tests. We worked with all the other trade unions. We worked with NESUWT, we worked with GMB, we worked with Unison, we worked with Unite, and we worked with the NAHT, all the different TUC unions. We worked with them, we produced joint letters, we produced joint guidance. We worked collaboratively with our colleagues because ultimately we are all educators in the classroom. And we all work in schools, whether you work in the office, whether you work in the kitchen, whether you work in the classroom, we all have an important part to play in keeping children safe. Now, Kevin and Mary, Joint General Secretaries, have been on the telly, they've been on the radio, they've been on the newspaper. Kevin Courtney was even on this morning with Holly and Phil. Now, never thought Kevin would be on this morning, but he even did this morning. Mary has done many different radio interviews. Mary has been on Any Questions on Radio 4. We have done more than any of a trade union. Now, the one thing we haven't done, we haven't called a strike. Some people, not many people, but some people would say, why didn't the NEU call a strike? Well, there are many reasons. One, from a purely practical point of view, there was about three weeks' notice from when Boris Johnson said we're going to reopen schools partially on June the 1st. That took us by surprise, obviously, because we've been in negotiations with the DfE, not me personally, but the, the union, having discussions with the DfE about these things. So that took us by surprise. So then lots of things happened. There were lots of meetings. The officer group 
met, the executive met, and that they made all the decisions about what we would do. There were lots of briefings, lots of meetings. We didn't call a strike. Now, it would be impossible to call a strike in the space of three weeks. By the time you've agreed what the question is going to be, by the time you've given notice to all the employers, you're going to ballot. By the time you sent out ballot papers, by the time you've at this point, we're already over June the 1st, which I've said to many different people. From a purely practical point of view, it was never going to happen. And then we've got the whole threshold problem. The government have stupidly high thresholds for trade union ballots. And actually, we've been so good throughout this pandemic, and the profession has done us proud. We've been there working throughout the pandemic, keeping children safe, keeping schools open. I think the public wouldn't support us if we went on strike at this time. And also, why would we go on strike? We would go on strike for keeping us safe, for, for safer demands. We would go on strike for appropriate PPE. We would go on strike for appropriate measures to put into place. Now, as I said earlier, that really varies from school to school. What happens in my school is very different to what happens in your school. A school in London could have a very different situation to a school on the other side of London, or a school in Durham, or a school in Cornwall, or a school in Cumbria, or Birmingham, or any of these places. It really varies. It is so school by school on this issue, which is why the union matters, which is why you matter. Whether you're a school rep, whether you're a member, that's why you matter, because you are the union. So has the union done enough? I think we have. Could we do more? Well, you can always do more. But all we can do is advise our members to say, if it's not safe, if you do not feel safe in your workplace, then you have a legal right to say, I am not prepared to work in an unsafe environment. That's not some sort of left-wing radical idea. That's just common sense. If your school was on fire, you wouldn't walk in because it's not a reasonable request to do so. I'm not suggesting that anyone would instruct you to work in the middle of a burning building, but that's in our dual use. If you don't believe it is safe to work, then you can quite rightly say, I don't believe it's safe. As an individual, you can say that. Do you need to use that rule? That's, it's entirely up to you. How do you know it's safe? Well, that again, that's down to your judgment. Let's be very clear on this. If you're going to say, I don't believe it's safe to work, then what can you do? What can the school do to make it safe for you? We can talk about PPE. We can talk about the joint checklist we've done with other unions. That's our starting point. And none of those demands are unreasonable because we don't want to get infected. We don't want the children to get infected. And we last thing we want, the last thing we want is another spike, a second wave of this horrible virus. We really want to avoid that as much as possible because we have to go back to a normal society, or the new normal, as everyone talks about it. We want people to be safe. We don't want to overwhelm our colleagues 
in the NHS who have been amazing throughout this pandemic, I have to say. My, take my hat off to them. I really do. So we need to keep ourselves safe, we need to keep the children safe, and we need to keep their families safe. Because what happens in the school has a big impact on the wider society. So just to finish off, I've talked about the five tests. I've talked about the union response. I've talked about what your response would be. It's not for me to say that. I'm very happy that my school has done enough to protect me, protect the children and protect their families. To me, that's crucial. Make sure your school does the same. Make sure they keep you safe. Make sure they keep your people safe and make sure they keep their families safe too. I believe the union has done brilliantly. Absolutely fantastically. Thank you for listening. Normal service will be resumed. And I've got a few really good interviews lined up. I'm really excited to share those with you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe. That way you're never going to miss an episode. While you're at it, do please rate and review the podcast. And also share it with your friends and colleagues so we get the message out there. And lastly, got any suggestions about future interviews or you just want to get in contact with me you can email me theunionhack at gmail.com you can find me on facebook at the union hack or on twitter at the union hack see you next time